welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Michael Dickerson L. Today's topic, homelessness after re-entry leads to higher recidivism rates. How you doing, brother? Okay, I'm doing great. Uh, we have uh, brother um, Charles Hopkins and brother Dietrich Trent uh, to uh, we're going to elaborate on this 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 uh, um, very what I want to say important topic to us because uh, you know we are classified as returning citizens and uh, we just want to get into the topic of this recidivism and how re-entry leads to recidivism and homelessness. And uh, a quick definition for recidivism is recidivism is one of the most fundamental concepts in criminal justice. It refers to a person's relapse into criminal behavior often after the person receives sanctions or undergoes intervention from a previous crime. And we're going to touch on a few topics and we're going to ask the brothers um, questions that we're going to dig into the, the meat and potatoes of, uh, you know, to get a solution and to point out this problem that's been plaguing us, uh, you know, in the city of Washington, D.C. And uh, I'm going to give you read a few brief inserts and then I'm going to ask a few questions. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, how you doing, Brother Hopkins? I'm doing great. Uh, nice, busy day, you know, doing what we do. Uh, Providing services for men and women returning back into society. And Mr. Trent, how you doing? I'm blessed, you know, and I'm glad that uh, to be here with you, brothers, and to be bringing up these uh, these serious issues that's that I think that's that's not being paid attention to. So I'm I'm forward today. Okay, so let's get into this show. Formerly incarcerated people are far more likely to be homeless. There are many barriers that impact people after they are released from prison, from from disfranchisement to job discrimination. Data from 2018 shows that homelessness is one of the most significant. In fact, formerly incarcerated people are most almost ten times most more likely to be homeless than the general population. Both black and Hispanic people are more likely than white people to be to be homeless after release. From women, the rate of homelessness is even higher. While formerly incarcerated women are more likely to be homeless, they are also more likely to have access to a shelter than formerly incarcerated men. One of the reasons is that while homeless shelters house men and women, women's shelters refuse male occupants for safety reasons. This, this limits options for formerly incarcerated men. Homelessness after re-entry puts formerly incarcerated people at risk without safe housing. They may, they may not receive proper treatment for addiction or mental illness. Living without a home also makes it more difficult to secure and maintain employment. This, these things ultimately increase the risk for recidivism. 
not surprisingly, people who spend time in prison more than once have a higher rate of homelessness than who have only been to prison once. And uh, I want to pose this first question. And the first question it says, from from your own experience, why formerly incarcerated people are likely to be homeless? Uh, uh, Mr. Hopkins, um, give me give me your uh, your um, rendition on you know that question. I, good question. And uh, as you was reading this, I was reflecting on my own experience. I, I was uh, locked up uh, for forty eight years. I got out December the fifth of two thousand nineteen. I was staying with a family member. Six months after I was staying with her, she put me out, so I became homeless. Now, in terms of why I became homeless, two reasons. One was because the family member I was staying with didn't really understand me, nor did I understand her. But two, the city that I returned to was not, didn't have a welcoming committee in terms of providing homeless or homeless resources. So the reason why I found myself homeless was I had no other resources available. All the resources that was supposed to be given to me from the city uh, was not being provided in a concrete manner. When in, the, in the D.C., when it comes to homes and getting housing, they put you on the waiting list. It's, it's a myriad of things that you have to go through in order to get uh, a place to stay. So this is why, you know, when you look at uh, overall homelessness and why uh, formerly incarcerated people are more likely to be homeless, because they, one, they do a long time in prison. When they come out, they don't have no relationship with their community or their family. And the resources that are supposed to be available to them are so convoluted with Inertia that's virtually impossible to get a place to stay uh, without being on the street for at least six, seven, eight, nine months or better. Okay, thank you. Um, Mr. Trent, what, what, what is your uh, input on this question? <clears throat> well, and I agree with everything that was said before me, but one of my, my, my experiences and from what from my knowledge is once a brother or sister returns home from from prison back to society, if you're not a homeowner, you technically homeless once you return, once you get released from prison. Mm-hmm. What home you own? Unless you are a homeowner before you go into prison. And nine out of ten of the brothers and sisters I knew you know, and if they did own a home, it was taken from from the government. That was another story. So, you technically coming with that label once you're being released. If you're not on any deed or you don't have a mortgage that you've been paying while you've been in prison or your family, if you've been on. And then, so when we do try to come and, you know, re- re- reunite with our family, they're not allowed to take us off the homeless list by putting us on their deed because we have a criminal record. Mm-hmm. So this will put them in fault of their lease or or their deed or anything of that nature because of the way that the laws and stuff is set up now. So it's, it, when it comes to home brothers, uh, formerly incarcerated people have been ter- uh, 
being homeless, it's a lot of things and laws are set up for for brothers and sisters that's returning home from prison to stay homeless because it feeds the bottom line, right? So, and like you said, the waiting process for brothers and sisters coming home from prison for to get any type of suitable housing, right? Come on, is three to five years, and we know the the, the process of for a person to uh, to commit uh, recidivism is less than three to five years. Yeah, that's right. Right? We talking months. Yeah, that's right. right. So the whole process of everybody coming home is homeless. Like I said, let's be homeowners. And that's a, it put us against the gun. And it put us, we have so many hurdles and so many uh, barriers and, we, and obstacles that we have to overcome just to be taken out of the homeless label. Mm. So, and that that's a good uh that's a good answer. Um, I, I concur with both you brothers because when I came home, I didn't have no problem with uh you know having a home because I had a family that was still here. All right. But like it says in the statistics, it says black and Hispanics are more likely to be homeless than their white counterparts after they're being released. And one thing about Washington, D.C., we know that it's a lot of gentrification going on Mm -hmm. because a lot of brothers, sisters that came home that I know families was put, they basically was almost put out of Washington, you know, because they they wasn't even, you know, they weren't still, uh, you know, able to live here because all the low-income housing was tore down. And, you know, that's when the gentrification started. So a lot of them didn't have no place to come back to from the get-go, you know, because their families was pushed out the city and and, and D.C. was just totally flipped over and changed. So, uh, you know, one thing that I've saw since I've came home is that gentrification plays a big part in that, too. Right. I agree. Uh, I'm going to go and move on to some more inserts. And it says... The cycle of homelessness and incarceration can turn one mistake into a lifetime of struggle. It says when formerly incarcerated people cannot find a place to live, they're more likely to get arrested for nonviolent crimes like trespassing. The, like trespassing. the Texas Criminal Justice Co- Coalition points to the criminalization of homelessness as a major factor impacting recidivism. According to their finding, homelessness men, homeless men made up 40% of all arrests for nonviolent crimes. They were five times more likely than the general population to be arrested. The report concludes that homeless inordinates are ineffective, expensive, and a violation of one's civil and human rights. The same report showed that arrest, after arrest, homeless people are like, less likely to appear to court or pay fines connected to their arrest. This puts them back in the system, mm-hmm. effectively criminalizing poverty and homelessness after reentry. The researchers explain that formerly incarcerated individuals experience homelessness are, are, per, are per, particularly vulnerable to continued justice involvement for failure to abide by the conditions of probation or parole due to lack of transportation, 
inability to maintain a stable address, loss or stolen property, and difficulty meeting regular with supervision officers. Many communities believe that policing homelessness is necessary to maintain public safety. Unsheltered homelessness after reentry leads to increased rates of interaction with police. The Urban Institute found that formerly incarcerated people experiencing unsheltered homelessness were 13 times more likely to interact with the justice system than to general public. One may one one way to combat this is to this this distinct this stigmatize homelessness and fo- focus on shelter first in- initiatives. And the question that I want to pose to this one is it says what can what can be done to prevent recidivism amongst returning citizens and why the process of recidivism must be evaluated. Uh, Brother Dietrich, um, you know, uh, let, let's 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 delve into this and um, what can be prevented, you know, for returned citizens to keep facing recidivism, and um, why the process of recidivism must be evaluated. I'm gonna answer that backwards because I need to tell you why it need to be evaluated, and then I can tell you about what could be done. Right? Mm-hmm, go ahead. Okay. So home, the homelessness uh, crisis is a lucrative business, right? And meanwhile, meaning that because I've always know I have, and I don't want to, I ain't, and I ain't, and, and I'm, what I'm about to say, I'm not, I don't want to uh, offend anybody or anything because I'm not uh, comparing human beings to uh, to livestock animal, but. It is. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to make a comparison here. If I know, I, if I'm a farmer, and I know I have, I always got these cows that's just running around in 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 the grass, and they not sheltered up in my uh makeshift. You know, they little part they' supposed to be in, because I'm not a farmer. So you know, mm-hmm. so it, it, where they part they they they' supposed to be in. If I know that always exists over there, and I can always go over there and get them. Know why and take advantage of them because they don't belong to no one. They undocumented. They are not counted for. They is. I know I can always do and get them. Why would I? And it helps the bottom line of the money. It helps the prison system to get people back in prison because I can lock them up for trespass. All types of charges, mm-hmm. right? I could. You could lock a, a, a whole. They could say all anything, soliciting anything, right? And why would we change this when? They serve everything that feeds the system, right? And, you know, you got brothers and sisters out there with mental Ill, illness that goes undocumented. Mm-hmm. If I got a mental illness, how will I ever get this fixed and know that me and me keep going back to jail? It's a problem, right? So that's just that 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 whole process of, of brothers coming home, I think everyone should be evaluated before they come home and seeing you have proper... And not to saying no one should not be be released if you don't have no housing. But if they don't have any housing, you we, they should be suited up with housing before they even touch a foot right. back into any society or some type of shelter or some type of support groups before they even set a foot back into your, they return a citizen. Now the part of uh, um, 
fixing it. That gonna take when it comes to brothers. That gonna take you know a mind change, right? We gotta attack the minds, right? And when you attack the minds, you, you know the body, the body will follow, right? And I mean it is, we gotta show the people. There's there 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 there's another blueprint. Then they go and go sleep outside on the porch because they other than they don't have no other outlet but but sleeping on the creek mm-hmm. outside. So we gotta show them a blueprint. Hey, if you go talk to this person, if you go do this and don't just go talk to them, something's gonna happen right then and there. Mm-hmm. You know, change, you know, we can't make them wait for change because they've been waiting all their life. They always living on the edge. And so we gotta give them something right there that's tangible to show. The people that's 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 facing recidivism, that's homeless out there. Hey, this is the state, the blueprint to get out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't, I don't, I don't see, I ain't seen one, and I, you know, I haven't seen one since I've been home. I hope that answered. Mm-hmm. Brother Charles, what, what what is your outlook on this? I, I like what you read, and I think when they say you criminalize homelessness. Yeah. So, and then they give an example, and we see this every day in the District of Columbia. We see everywhere you go, you see people that are sleeping anywhere they can lay down at. And then you'll see, depending on where they at, the police will come and roust them. They'll come back, and next thing you know, they locked up. So, man, so the problem is, it's not that uh, you don't have the money, because you do. It's not that you don't have the organization because you do. It's what you just said. It's a mindset. But in this case, it's the mindset of the government. It's the mindset of the District of Columbia. It's the mindset of all cities uh, nationwide. Because when you look at the homeless population, the homeless population is a result of lack of employment. The homeless population is, is, is a result of uh, high, high taxes on people. Property value going up, uh, missed opportunities by the, uh, like Enron and, and things like that where people then uh, invested their money. So now I find myself homeless. But when you're dealing with somebody that's a recidivate, when you're dealing with somebody that's returned to society, they don't have no place to go to begin with. And I'm going to give you a point of what they're doing now in the District of Columbia with, uh, with C- what the uh, courts uh, services is doing. If you don't have a place to go, upon your release, and they don't have no shelter to put you in, they put you back in the halfway house and make you stay in the halfway house until yes. such time as you can, as they can find a place for you or you can find your own place. So now, the, now I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm still locked up. I'm still under control by the, by the parole and probation, but I don't have the ability to get nothing done because I don't, y'all didn't provide me with no home. Which go back to your point, Deidre. They should do it from the from the gate. So that's the first thing. And it say why uh, had to be reevaluated because the re- the reevaluation one you shouldn't be criminalizing people being poor. So the reevaluation of reevaluation of recidivism is look at why do a person go back to doing what they do. And I think we was talking earlier when we say like, and then you may I think you made this observation, Deidre, was saying like five years to get a home or get stable two months to get uh, back in jail or two months to get caught back in criminal behavior because if I don't have no place to stay, then I'm going to do what's necessary to get me a place to stay. 
And I'm not trying to compete with nobody with no park bench. So therefore, I'm going to find myself back. So the reevaluation got to be that look at people before they come out, link them with critical services, provide them with uh, the necessary voucher or shelter, and then give them wraparound services, how to get an income, you know, so they can have some money. I give them a plan. This is what we're doing. I'm going to close on this point. This is what we're doing at VSC. At VSC, Voice for a Second Chance, we're giving people a plan of a less a, 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 a activity plan, and we reevaluate, bring them back in, and see where they at with, they, with, with the things that we tell them to do. This right here need to be done. So we need to become more proactive on addressing people concretely and stop giving lip service to it. Yeah, that's 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 powerful right there because uh, you know um, I, I do a lot of uh, outreach. Mm-hmm. And, and like Dietrich was saying, it's kind of like, you know, when you have cattle in the pasture, yeah. you know, because the same places that I go throughout Washington, D.C., those same tents there, those same tents housing the same people. Yeah. And, 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 and if the justice system need to uh, meet a quota of arrest, they could just go there. <laughs> you know, they know exactly where to go. Yeah, because yeah. these the, the same individuals is, is right there posted up in the same tents mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So if you want to just say, hey, let's enforce lottery. Yeah, you know, hey, there you, you go, Mike. There you, you, you know, go. You, 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 you could come and they don't have no money to pay no fine. That's what they say. So guess what? You could just get a paddy wagon, round all them up, hey, and meet your quota. Mm-hmm. And like Dietrich said, it's, it's an ongoing cycle. And it's really just about the dollar. That's what it is. You know, it's about the dollar. It's not about no form of rehabilitation mm-hmm. because, you know, like like I said, you know, th- this thing about reentry and homeless, you know, you you can't have one without the other. Mm. And guess what? You can't have a justice system without having people getting locked up. <laughs> so, therefore, this is just a way of, of, of constantly recycling, you know, the same individuals over and over again. Can, and I don't mean I want to. Can I interject on one thing? Go ahead. I want to make a point about how much rights that a, a homeless and that and then the homeless is already labeled. But when they, you're saying a return of citizen, come on, that's on. a whole nother. Come we on, we talking about layers on layers yeah. and birds on birds. Mm-hmm. But I, I I watch over the many years how a return is uh, 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 a person that could come from a whole uh, uh, come from a whole another territory across from another world come here mm, come on homeless mm-hmm. that's what he is come here homeless right. and get and have more rights than a person that was born and raised in in their own city mm. and when it comes to uplifting itself out of poverty that's what I mean they would get more resources than someone that was born and raised here in America. And that's and that that's just and if you're homeless. So I just wanted to make that's that. a good observation. Oh yeah, that's definitely a good observation because um, you know, we, we used to see that uh, with the Asian people back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, how they just came over and next thing you know, they got a big old house in up Marlboro and <laughs> you know what I'm saying, they just got off the boat. Mm-hmm. And we still trying to figure out how they get so advanced. You know, so like you said, man, it's a lot of opportunities that's uh been really afforded to two different races of individuals opposed to, 
like you say, the, the uh, brothers and sisters that actually live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's move on to the next insert. And it says, homelessness after re-entry is expensive for taxpayers. Urban Institute studied justice-related calls in Denver and found that the cost of just one person stuck in the homelessness jail cycle is about $4,000 over a 90-day period. The city of Denver estimates that the cost of 250 people experiencing long-term homelessness is $7.3 million per year. In Los Angeles, homelessness, the homeless population account for more than 70 million in jail and booking fees. Reappropriating funds to house formerly incarcerated people would save taxpayers money, combat recidivism, and help in mass incarceration. Data from the frequent users service enhancement FUSE, uh, yeah, abbreviated FUSE, housing program shows how much money cities cities could save with housing first policies. Though the average person in the FUSE program costs the public about $23,000 per year, that's roughly $16,000 less than the $39,000 in justice-related costs for non-participants experiencing similar situations. Beyond the money-saving aspect, Housing First initiatives reduce recidivism by providing necessary support for formerly incarcerated people. Some searchers say that it is the only proven strategy to break the cycle between homelessness and incarceration. Mm. And, uh, you know, I just want to just let's touch on that uh, real brief, brothers. And um, and we're going to we're going to really like delve into this because this is a deep this this going to get deep. And, you know, I want to play devil's advocate with this. And uh, and this is who benefits from the expenses from taxpayers dollars and where does the money go? Brother Hopkins, let's touch on that uh, real quick. Where they say follow the money. All right, so let's let's look at this here. All right, and they just gave all these statistics. Okay, so we're gonna transpose this information on the District of Columbia. Okay, two hundred and fifty people. Okay, Mike, you seen forty homeless people today feeding them. These two, you seen at least forty homeless people today in the course of your travel. I seen at least forty homeless people during the course of my travel. So we can say two hundred and fifty people. The amount of money that uh, goes into uh, making sure that they remain in that state. They say how much money is spent. $7.3 million a year. Okay, now you take that, that money right there when the District of Columbia put their budget out. That money right there, it don't go to like providing housing for people, home uh, return assistance. It go towards the monies in their budget go towards police, it goes towards tax credit for developers, it goes towards and the money's paying for the uh the government's pocket, uh, the mayor's month uh salary, etc. It don't go towards the poor people. So that's where the money, the money is the taxpayers' money is going to 
the very people that's keeping us in that corral that Deidre was talking about, that keeping us in that pastor. That's where the money going. The money going to the D.C. jail, but they get ready to build another jail. So how much money is going to cost to build another jail? So we, that's where the money going. Oh, that was, man, that was beautiful. And, uh, no, that that's going to um, end today's show. But we're going to pick back up on this topic because this is a very important topic. So stay tuned. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.